a big new retention and free agency isn't even here yet for the Minnesota Lynch. Claire Duelius, newly promoted, is here to chat all about the Lynch and her path here. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. Well, hi, everybody, and happy Wednesday. I am Howard Magdal, founder and editor over at The Next, where you can see our reporting on women's basketball 24-7, 365. We have over 100 reported pieces every single month. TheNextHoops.com is where you get it. Sign up for our free newsletter or for $9 a month, $72 a year. Support the work that's being done there. And I want to thank you for making us, our group, your first listen every day at Lockdown Women's Basketball. We cover five days a week, everything women's basketball. Saturday is all about the WNBA draft. Make sure you're subscribing at uh, YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. And somebody who has, I think, a fairly acute interest in the 2023 WNBA draft would be the newly named general manager, but longtime mainstay here in Minnesota, Claire Duelius, who joins us. Claire, congratulations, first of all, on the promotion. And kind of take me through, if you could, you said something yesterday at the Media Avail about how this was like a, a bit of a mountaintop moment for you in your life in basketball, which extends, of course, to your playing days. What was that exact moment? What are you feeling? Who are you talking to when you hear that this promotion is happening, it's done, and you've signed uh, officially? Yeah, Obviously, just the initial thing was elation, you know, right off the bat. I was, I'll never, it'll be one of those memories for me that I'll never forget sitting in Cheryl's office with her and um, when she was just talking to me one-on-one about it and had to, you know, hold my chest really quick. Just, I'm so, so grateful for the opportunity and um, I've obviously worked really hard um, to, to kind of put myself in this position, but opportunities like this wouldn't be um, available for people unless, you know, great mentors and, and bosses like Cheryl kind of bring you along. And that's luckily the situation that I've been in. What's so striking to me, and this is throughout sort of the women's basketball space and really the women's sports space, is that you're part of a generation that is um, essentially getting into jobs that you couldn't have necessarily conceived of as you're growing up. You know, these were just not positions that were readily available. Front offices, as you know, even as far back as a few years ago, when you first started, were relatively skeletal comparatively to where they are now. And so for you, I wonder, when did front office WNBA become something that was on your radar? Yeah, I mean, coming up through... Um, the women's game and being a a former athlete, um, collegiate athlete myself, I have always had my eyes on, on opportunities like this, but again, to your point, you know, it's not obviously always reflective of, you know, you don't see a lot of young, uh, women that are holding these kinds of positions. And, and so to now have, um, people that you can kind of see and look up to is, is really important. And I think, um, just, so so proud of where the the game has grown to and and that i can be a part of it what would have been your top 
before this, when you look back at your basketball life? I mean, you know, you've obviously you've played, you've, you know, you've, you've done this in so many different ways. What, what was it? What did, yeah. what did them knock out of the top spot? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I mean, like this is, this is pie in the sky kind of um, opportunity. And, and I'm so grateful, like I mentioned, but probably some other job relating to teams. Um, I've always loved being part of a team. Obviously my, my first love and passion is basketball. So um, something maybe in, in that regard, coaching wasn't super my cup of tea when I dabbled in it a little bit for a couple of years, but um, certainly appreciate just being part of a team and, and wanting to represent women's sports specifically. And obviously just, for this to happen, you know, in a period of time where you are a new mother as well. I and, mean, you know, do, does it resonate in a different way as you, you know, have uh, that responsibility as well? It's obviously some, you know, fundamental life changes. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, I start beaming whenever I talk about um, being a parent. It's um, it's a greatest joy that I've um, really enjoyed these last seven months. George is um, about to be eight months old here in the beginning, for first part of the year. So um, just it's awesome to, uh, you know, kind of it's a lot of hats. I was going to say, you know, my counterparts can can also agree that a lot of times when you're coming up through the operations world, you're wearing a ton of hats and, and front offices alike, because, you know, before there's a lot of head coaches and GMs that were doing everything um, with the dual roles. And so I'm just proud that I kind of, I've been well-practiced now I can be a parent and I can still do my job and succeed at both. And um, George is just the light of our, of our lives. So we're um, yeah, having a ton of fun with that at home. And, and as a point of personal privilege is adorable. So as a, as a parent myself, may I, I just, <laughs> I, I wish nothing more than for your most important phone calls to line up with nap time. That yeah, is right. Exactly. <laughs> That's the key. <laughs> so it, it is, and I mentioned at the top, uh, a very interesting time to be figuring out what you're going to be looking to do in the draft. And I guess before you even get to the question of your process, which I think is really interesting uh, in and of itself, the fact that, all right, we've had a lottery, you guys end up with the second overall pick. Um, one of the fun things I enjoy doing is asking people who they think the number one draft pick is going to be in this draft so that, you know, I can elicit laughter and response. Everyone has a sense of it. And so from yeah. that perspective, knowing that, it changes what the two pick usually is, right? Normally the two pick is so dependent on figuring out scenarios and scenario planning here. But unless, I, I mean, the way I've written is unless the earth crashes into the sun, Aaliyah Boston's going at one. And so you can pretty reliably plan on and make a plan accordingly. Is there a sense of relief that comes with that, knowing that, you know, look, you essentially have the second number one pick where it's whoever you so choose. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it does help knowing that things are, quote unquote, locked in. It lets you kind of alleviate some of the the question marks so you can better position yourself in planning. And um, all of that is, is very true. I think there's a lot of really great prospects out there. Uh, we we are busy in, in every off season going out and seeing these players one-on-one -on -one and um, spending a lot of time doing the background work of, you know, deep dive into what they what they're all about on and off the court um and just kind of what kind of fit that they would be with the minnesota Lynx specifically and mm -hmm. so i think a lot of that gets sorted out as we do our recon um talk to a lot of different people and, and coaches and other 
anyone that's really been a part of these prospects' lives and in their inner circle, um, whatever we can learn is really valuable to us. And it's interesting because this is a turning point in so many different ways for the Minnesota Lynch, right? Okay, we understand that it's Cheryl locked in for the long term going forward, which is something that was not fully established when yeah. the, the, the last whistle was blown for this WNBA season. It's a time at which you obviously are replacing a critical member of this franchise in Sylvia Fowles. And it's a time at which, and I, I think in no small part, a reason that you have proven so valuable to this franchise is because there has been this balancing of short-term and long-term priorities. You guys repeatedly have been a playoff team while also setting up an offseason where you have north of $500,000 in cap space and a draft that includes not just two, but 12, 15, 24, and 27. It's a chance to really put your stamp on it. And yeah. I guess I wonder to what extent you've kind of taken that step back here as we head into what will be obviously the busiest of the season for you with free agency and the final months of the draft to think about, you know, this is really an opportunity to create what the Lynch are going to look like for, you know, arguably the rest of the decade. Of course. Yeah. And, and it is, it's, it'll be a long-term uh, plan that we're kind of putting together, but every facet that you mentioned is of utmost importance and, and we don't take any subsection of those, those details lightly. Um, mm -hmm. We have to nail every bit of it and it, it means free agency. It means draft planning. We're obviously elated that, that Cheryl is uh, here for the long, the long haul and um, everything that, that she envisions for our, our organization and franchise is, you know, I, I'm just grateful to be surrounded by, in my opinion, the best. And, and that's true for our, our coaching staff as well. So, yeah, we'll we'll take every part of it very seriously. And we're open to kind of all options at this point um, because we know that that what we need to do to kind of get links back in into the expectation that we hold ourselves in and, and being playoff um playoff teams and, and championship contenders, we expect that of ourselves. So that's um, obviously the goal and we are looking to get back there um, in the immediate. So I, I'm excited. I want to, I want to dive into your process with that. Uh, first, I want to tell the listeners about Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget. Book an SUV or minivan for a family road trip, a pickup truck for some errands, or even test drive an electronic vehicle. Every trip is backed by a liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions may apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. All right. So when we talk process, when we talk about trying to think through the draft, you talk about, you know, uh, essentially personal intelligence is obviously so important, being able to talk to people who are around the players, being able to get that information. Where do you start? Are you starting in the film room? Are you starting on the stat page? Like, What is your sort of opening gambit when trying to figure out how you're evaluating the player? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's true. We we kind of start on a more broad sense and we, you know, we get our pool of players that we, we have interest in and then we really take a deep dive and it can be as granular as we can, you know, get our hands on. And so I think that's where we really start. And then the process and something that I enjoy is when we're out at scouting trips, I personally enjoy going to the practices and the shoot arounds and that kind of thing. Cause you, you just see a different lens, obviously when the bright lights are on and the game time, it's, you know, a big game, it's, 
it's easy to see what everyone sees with these players, but I want to see, you know, when it's the nitty gritty at practice and things aren't going their way, maybe, or they're not hitting shots or coaches are getting after them a little bit. Like how do those players respond in those moments? I think that's really telling. Um, and so that's more like a, a avenue to the process. And then um, I think it's easy for a lot of franchises to tell which players maybe analytically or um, from a stats perspective who could shake out in, in the WNBA. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's those kind of intangibles that, that help set other prospects aside from another. So it's personal first, and then you're looking at where the numbers come into play, where those correspond is, is, is what I'm hearing. I think, you know, you start with just, a, a general basis of talent, you know, if, if they can't hack it from a physical perspective, then maybe it's not as necessary to go down into a, a granular deep dive. But um, so I'd say we start there where we kind of do the evaluation of the player itself. And then we um, really like to get in to know everything that makes that player tick and, and what their interests are and um, you know, a bunch of other, other different questions that we have. Is, is it hard to utilize stats properly when you're dealing with people who are typically 18 to 22 years old, who are, you know, in most cases, bodies still developing, sure. still figuring out who they are as players? And do you find that inherently limiting when you say, all right, even trying to figure out what the true talent level is, you're talking about a player who maybe you got 30 games on, um, and a lot of them might even be non-conference games where the level of competition isn't telling you anything about what that player can do against other WNBA level players, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, you can take a historical look at at some of the current players in the WNBA and see how they kind of panned out in their collegiate years. I also think that you have to be able to evaluate, and this is more subjective, but what their ceiling could be. So do they have the the raw material, so to speak, to um, kind of lean in to be a, you know, whatever tier player in the WNBA? Would it be a tier tier one player? Um, those are kind of easy, right? Because you know exactly if they're going to be a generational talent, you know that um, most times. And so I think that's kind of leans into the evaluation process and you lean on, you know, legends like Cheryl and Katie and people that have been in the league for a very long time. And Rebecca, obviously, like, I'm surrounded with a lot of really smart, talented people that know their business. So um, that's why we really enjoy our staff conversations that we have um, every couple of weeks and, and that sort of thing. So it's really interesting. And the W has this in a way that other leagues don't. You have institutional knowledge back to the very beginning of the league. You have this opportunity yeah. to be able to make comps throughout league history, which is something I yeah. think remarkable. You know, 26 years is a lot of time. And in some ways, it's not a lot of time at all. So, right, right. You should see you should see Katie Smith. She is we call her the the comp queen because she can compare any player in the in the draft prospect pool. And she is like, oh, yeah, they're kind of like this. And so she's she's fun to bounce ideas off of, too. We had when we had Katie in New York, that was a delightful thing. <laughs> as well. And so New York's loss is, of course, Minnesota's game. Oh, yeah. I'm here but, for that. And Katie can even do comps to the ABL. Oh. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, across that as well. But uh, no, that that is always a fun game to play without yeah. question. Um, so somebody who I think you struggle with a comp for is Sylvia Fowles. Right. <laughs> you know, somebody who, you know, I've made this point. I, I I think there's not a real serious argument to be made 
that anyone else would best five in the history of the league. With apologies to Lisa Leslie, this is her value is somewhere, you know, you go buy wind shares and she's somewhere 10 to 15 percent higher. You look at what she was able to do in her 30s after what she was able to do in her 20s. She arguably became a better player in her 30s, which you you basically never see. And so when you think about replacing her, even just from like a value perspective, you guys have a lot of different um, weapons you can throw at it from from the draft to free agency. But how do you go about doing that? You know, how do you go about planning for um, life after SIL just from a productivity standpoint alone? Sure. It's a good question. And I think, you know, it's it's somewhat similar to if you lose one of your best players to an injury, let's say, for instance, like it's not up to just one person to kind of fill that gap. It's going to take a, a joint effort from you know, a lot of different players. And so that'll be the goal because of course you mentioned, and I share the same opinion that still is the best center to ever play the game. And beyond that, she's one of the most incredible human beings that, I mean, I think most people are privy to. So I think that's, um, that'll be the goal. We just need to kind of find, find ways that we can become competitive across, you know, the line one through five. So, um, but certainly we would not turn away from any, generational talent either so i think um yeah i mean just kind of chipping in from from a joint effort standpoint you're open you're saying to getting the next sylvia fouls on the road i would not turn them away yeah it seems like a very reasonable perspective to (laughs) take (laughs) there are a lot of other free agents here um you know obviously you've got rachel banham you know who is right in town at the moment coaching as well um you know when you think about the free agents who you have here, uh, I know Bridget Carlton as well is a restricted free agent. Uh, Mariah Jefferson, who did a lot of great things for you guys, um, is UFA as well. Um, is it a bit of a holding pattern as you think about those things? I know the calendar sped up a little bit. So you're able to negotiate first. You know, how do you balance that? Because especially for this team where there's a lot of cap space, there's a lot of people who are going to be available, you know, figuring out how you prioritize those things, you know, just take me through sort of that process for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, we keep close tabs on our players that are overseas um, playing with their international teams and, and just to, you know, make sure that we're supporting them and and following their journeys over there. Um, And, I think right now, I mean, we're just keeping all of our options open and and we'll be certainly open to uh, talking with with our players that we had um, that are currently free agents and restricted free agents. Um, they did a lot of things for us last season, a lot of stuff that we can be proud of. And yeah, I think, you know, keeping that door open and lines of communication open is is definitely something we'll be doing. In terms of free agents, in terms of opportunities to go elsewhere, this has obviously been an off season that was of potential change for you as well. And so when you think through, I mean, I guess the way I would put it is this way, you know, any of us can open a weather app and we can see that there are some places where it's actually sunny uh, a lot more of the time, a lot more of the year. And the weather is, let us say, uh, warmer as well. And so as you sort of think through that world, what was it here in Minnesota that, ultimately drew you to wanting to be here and be part of this build and how hard was it to think that through, you know, given how many opportunities there were around the league? Yeah. I mean, I appreciate that question. I think there's a bunch of different um, facets to that, that I went into considering. I, for me, 
Minnesota is home and, and I, I've made a home with my family here and I love the cities and everything. That was, that was like a very general um, part of it, but going into it more deep, more deeply is being affiliated with Cheryl and the Minnesota Lynx and her vision and the amount of passion she comes to work with every day is something that I always want to emulate and, and also kind of give off. And so not to say that there's other, you know, places that exist like that throughout the league that are sunnier, um, in your words, they, I'm sure that they are, but, um, for me, I have such a belief and passion and, um, loyalty to this franchise because of everything it's given me. And, and I believe that we'll, um, do everything we can in our power here in the off season and beyond that, um, will make us, com- you know, competitive and, and even more than that, um, in the seasons to come. And, and just as, as a point of personal privilege to see uh, up and coming executives here in this league getting opportunities, the fact that there is a demand for that. You know, I talked to Cheryl about this as it related to her. You know, Cheryl in her professional lifetime has had multiple franchises yanked out from under her and cease to exist. And so to go from that to go to there being other teams offering, there being competition for top level franchise talent at the executive level too, feels like the game is growing. And I guess I wonder beyond just your personal circumstances, how much you feel like that is meaningful as a measurement of where the WNBA is. Yeah. It makes my heart swell, honestly, Howard, because I mean, a lot of the people that have given been given opportunities um, I have kind of grown up with in this league. And so we've kind of come from the same grassroots positions and we're, it, it gives you a unique situation where you get to learn franchises in the league from, from the ground up and um, position ourselves to, to kind of feel like we really have um, our, our fingerprint on it too. So I think it's been really cool and, and it is heartwarming because it shows how much the game has grown and no longer can you really get along, uh, get away with having dual roles. There's too much to do in the off season for mm-hmm. these. <laughs> so it's, it's nice that we get to kind of split it up and tackle it together. Um, and I'm just really happy that I get to do it with someone that I admire and trust so much. So. I want to talk about her legacy too. Uh, I, I do first want to talk to our listeners about bet online, BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Uh, As I have shared with my listeners before, the fact that the WNBA, the fact that college basketball, men's and women's are all there. I'm not a betting person myself, but I know that that is part of finding equality in this space, is making sure that there is the ability to bet on women, uh, quite literally in this case. So head over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more Bet online where the game starts. And so I mentioned Cheryl, I mentioned prior to this, you know, thinking about the Detroit Shocks ceasing to exist, right? I I mean, this easily, what Cheryl has built in Minnesota is something she could have built in Detroit if she had simply been empowered to do so. Um, Something she could have built in Charlotte. It's something she could have built in Cleveland. And so to instead be part of sort of that larger legacy, you know, Minnesota and something generational here from, you know, quite frankly, from the business side, what Carly Knox has done to the basketball side and that that run of playoff appearances. And, you know, we cannot predict the future, but it's very hard for me to envision a scenario with five picks and $540,000 in cap space and with the talent that you already have coming back, that the playoffs are not in your immediate future as well. 
uh, ahead of, you know, what should be a sustained run, all of which is sort of a long preamble, and I apologize for it, to no. be seen to you. When you think about being part of that, when you think of being part of something that is not just a franchise in the WNBA, but a chance to be kind of a pace setter for when we talk about this era in women's basketball, how powerful is that as a motivator? How powerful is that when you come into work every day? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's huge for us. It's something we always talk about, like, who wants to be mediocre? Certainly, I don't. Certainly, Cheryl doesn't. We don't want that for our franchise. We always want to be the most competitive we can be. And so it's obviously a huge part of what we're going to try to try to accomplish here in the immediate future. I mean, we, we are not satisfied without being, a, um, you know, not being in the in a playoff scenario. So really hoping that we kind of do that um here immediately and then yeah i mean just cheryl has obviously and carly they've been through a lot with the league and um it's pretty amazing that they have had this amount of sustained success and they have continued on um obviously you do it the right way and and things a lot of times will take care of itself um Mm -hmm. so it all makes sense my last one for you is just um, you know, and this is mostly procedural, but uh, given Mila and uh, her existence for for Fee, I just wonder if uh, she and George have raced, if that's something, if you plan a baby race for yeah. the 23 season ahead. I know. That's I think we should. I think we absolutely should. Mila is already crawling and George sadly is not. So he needs to he needs to get in the weight room and start practicing a little bit. But we'll, we'll see what we can do for that. I think that would I'll be a lot of fun. Good, good, good. Well, we'll make sure we cover it. And uh, so. <laughs> Claire, I appreciate your time uh, on all of this. And uh, to our listeners, thank you, of course, for making us your first listen every day. Uh, Go ahead and check out Locked On Sports today for your second listen. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and take of the day. Available on Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. We will be back with you guys tomorrow, talking women's basketball as we do every day. Until then, I am Howard Megdahl wishing you a wonderful Wednesday. Ogumba Wallet for the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. 